From Vermont Public Radio, this is Brave Little State. I am Josh Crane. And I'm Nina Kank. We've been hearing a lot about the housing shortage in Vermont and how hard it is for people to buy homes right now. But for this episode, we're going to flip that scenario. Imagine that you've not only found your dream house, you've lived in it for years and made it exactly how you want it. Maybe it's even paid off. Now, as you get older and more comfortable in your house, the looming question becomes, how long can you stay there? And I love my house. I don't really want to sell, but... I am going to be 78 next month. And I think, how on earth am I going to manage all of this in a few years? Well, I get offers, you know, (laughs) come out to Seattle and well, you can live in our basement, mom, you know? And I'm like, "Uh, I don't want to live in a basement in Seattle. We need to be in a place that is super insulated. We need to be in a place where we don't have to use wood and wood stoves. We need to move. We need to be in closer. We need to have transportation. <laughs> it's a little scary. It's a little, a little frightening. So it's a major concern, and all of my friends are feeling the same way. Welcome to Brave Little State, VPR's people-powered journalism project. Here on the show, we answer your questions about Vermont, our region, and its people, because we think our journalism is better when you are a part of it. Specifically, you tell us which listener question to answer by way of a public voting round. Today's winning question, how can older Vermonters age in place? as taxes increase and incomes become fixed. That is exactly where I am. My mother was 103 when she died, so I might be here a long time. (laughs) But that's a major concern. How can I afford this house? Aging in place. It's the idea of growing old in your own home instead of moving into a nursing home or an assisted living facility. I have some savings. I don't want to say I have none but certainly not the half million that you're supposed to have. (laughs) Reporter Nina Keck digs into the obstacles making it harder for people in Vermont to age in place. And she figures out what Vermonters can do to stay in their own homes as long as possible. I think those decisions that you make before you are in crisis can go a long way towards your ability to age in your own home. We have support from VPR's sustaining members. Welcome. Thanks to Vita for their support of Brave Little State. Since 1974, Vita has helped Vermont businesses grow and thrive. From agriculture to energy, startups to family companies. Find solutions that fit your business. Visit VEDA.org to start your next chapter today. And Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer-owned business crafting CBD products right here in Vermont. Learn more about their sustainable farming practices, delivery options, and how to support local farmers at sunsetlakecbd.com. 
Earlier this year, I changed my reporting beat at VPR, and I'm now focusing on issues impacting older Vermonters. BLS actually curated a voting round specifically to tackle a question about aging since I was going to be doing the reporting, and we got a lot of great questions. But this one, how can older Vermonters age in place with Vermont taxes on a fixed income? It hit a nerve. Dorothy? Yes, Nina. Okay. Awesome. I wasn't able to reach the person who submitted today's winning question. I'm told by the BLS team that it happens. But I did connect with a woman named Dorothy Delaney. Having trouble with the Internet here. Nothing new in Vermont. (laughs) Dorothy's a registered nurse and midwife who lives in Hinesburg. And I'm now at the crucial age of stepping off the treadmill. But I'm very trepidatious about doing that. How old are you right now? Right now, I'm 70. And are you afraid of aging in Vermont because of finances? Um, as long as I'm able-bodied, I'm not afraid. But I, I have to be more realistic. I can't afford what I'd like. Ideally, I'd like a little cabin out in the woods that's not too far from a good road. <laughs> and just lead a quiet, uh, contemplative life. But I also know, being a nurse, that um, these little things just creep up on you. Most older Vermonters rely heavily on Social Security. And like Dorothy, most would rather grow old in their homes versus in a nursing home or assisted living community. Dorothy has an interesting backstory that's made saving for retirement harder. She spent nearly 20 years working in Africa and helped four kids get through college after her husband died. The house that you're in right now, Dorothy, Mm -hmm. can you age in place there? Well, a house, as you know, requires upkeep. I had a roof put on that wiped my household reserve out, and then I had a plumbing problem, and I had to use credit card for that. And that is not comfortable. And I'm working now. So I I can pay that credit card off rather easily. Those things are going to come up. And I don't know how I'd handle that. I really don't. The reality is, yes, I like where I live. I'd love to stay here, but I can't. I know I can't. Ruby Baker is someone who thinks a lot about this issue. Yeah, yeah. So I was talking about it with with my mom and my aunt. um, Baker is the executive director of COVE, the Community of Vermont Elders. It's a nonprofit that advocates for older Vermonters, a group that's growing rapidly in our state. In fact, she says Vermont is on track to become the oldest state in the country by 2030. Um, I mean, it's so complicated, right? When we are thinking about aging in place, we think about what does an older person want as they grow older and what can they afford, which is what you were getting at with with rising taxes and fixed incomes. And then completely aside from what they can afford and what they want, what will be possible? And okay, loyal BLS fans, some of you may be thinking, man, this episode is for old people. (music) 
you may be years away from dealing with any of this stuff, but you might want to share this episode with your parents or grandparents or that nice older couple down the street. And I hate to break it to you, but we'll all be old one day, if we're lucky. So today's episode is going to feature a lot of tips and resources, like the handy Aging in Vermont resource guide that Ruby Baker's organization, Cove, put together. We have a link to it on the BLS website. Ruby Baker says the idea is to make sure Vermonters get all the information they need to make healthy, sustainable choices as they grow older. And so I think those decisions that you make before you are in crisis can go a long way towards your ability to age in your own home. A key element of today's winning question is how to live on a fixed income while dealing with rising taxes. Many Vermonters, including many retirees, get help with property taxes through the state's income sensitivity credit. It allows people who make up to about $137,000 to pay their property taxes based on their income. Dorothy Delaney, the nurse who's trying to figure out when to retire, says that program helps with her property taxes. But she's also worried about her income taxes. My old college roommate pointed it out to me when we were talking about Social Security. She lives in Florida. And she goes, well, at least I live in a state that doesn't tax Social Security. And I said, what do you mean? Vermont is one of only 13 states that taxes Social Security. And last year, the personal finance publication Kiplinger's cited our brave little state among the 10 least tax-friendly for retirees. I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) Like, I'm looking at how much I'm going to get from Social Security, and I'm going, why is that taxed? We're not going to provide financial advice in this episode, but when it comes to Social Security, a lot of older Vermonters rely on it. And like Dorothy, I had no idea Vermont taxed it. Right now, lawmakers in Montpelier are discussing various proposals to change the way it's taxed, but it's confusing. Now, let's see. What's my level like? Oh, my level's pretty good. So I called Bob Kinzel, VPR Statehouse reporter, to help bring us up to speed. So we're rolling, right? We are rolling. (laughs) I just wanted to check. Okay, okay. I told Bob about Dorothy Delaney's question and how I'd gotten really confused when I started reading up on Social Security and the way it's currently taxed in Vermont. You know, the top 15 percent doesn't get taxed. And I'll be honest, that's a little bit when my (laughs) eyes started to glaze over. (laughs) I get it. I, I had to go through this. Uh, I had to sit down with the head of the House Ways and Means Committee twice. So I think I got it straight. So we should start off by saying that everybody in the state of Vermont who gets Social Security, the first 15 percent is not taxed at all. Then what happens, it gets a little, this is where things start to get a little more complicated. The way that Vermont then taxes the remaining 85% is based on the person's adjusted gross income. So let's look at an individual filer. If an individual person 
has an income of up to $45,000. So that's their Social Security income and maybe some other retirement income that they have. But they have $45,000 or less. They pay no taxes on their Social Security. Zero. None. And Bob says half of all Social Security recipients in Vermont, about 40,000 people, are in this no-tax category. Now, if they have an income between 45 and 55, they pay on about half of their Social Security. And if that individual has an income above $55,000, then they only get that first 15% from the federal deduction. They have to pay taxes on the remaining 85%. So it's all based on income. And the numbers I gave you just now were for an individual. For joint filers, it's a higher number. Got it. So is there... So I understand at the state house though right now there is a push to raise the exemption level am I correct That's right and so we really have two proposals on the table at the state house the first is governor Scott's Governor Phil Scott would like to raise the income threshold for individuals to $75,000 a year and bump it up to $90,000 a year for joint filers. That's a $30,000 jump. Now, this it would encompass a lot of people. It's expected to cost about $35 million a year in the current year. And because Vermont's population of people over 65 is growing so fast, the price tag for the governor's program mushrooms to 40, 45, 50, 55 million dollars in the next couple of years. Bob says there's a more modest proposal coming out of the House a $5,000 bump instead of a $30,000 one. The House wants to beef up the state's child tax credit instead. Bob says both of these proposals would be funded by a surplus in the general fund. As to where it's going to come down in Montpelier? Uh, I think it's going to come down more on the House side. I mean, I could see the House Ways and Means Committee plan being that threshold being raised a little bit. They are not going to go to the governor's level. Uh, They feel very strongly about this child tax credit. And the Senate will weigh in in on it in the next couple of weeks. But essentially, there is a real philosophical difference here of how this surplus money should be spent. Even if you feel like you've dialed in your finances and will do okay on a fixed income, you still might worry about the changes you'll have to make as you get older. Okay, it says tap the red button to start a voice memo. Exactly, so tap the red button. Okay, tap the red button. And And I'm I'm going to put put this on my other ear. Does this work? Perfect. Sonia Hakalip and her husband, Jay Davis, live in a small cedar shingle house in West Hartford. It's right on the White River, and they've been there almost 30 years. And my husband's one of those people, I think he must have been a beaver in another life because he builds and rebuilds everything. So over the course of that time, he has rebuilt and renovated our house, and we've added outbuildings, so we've really made it ours. But now that everything is just the way they want it, She says suddenly, it seems like she and her husband are having second thoughts. This kind of started with, you know, I'm I'm going to be 72 years old in May. The couple started to worry that their home might not work as well for them as they got older. 
Did they need to replace their bathtub with a shower, install more handrails, or take more drastic action? Do we sell? Do we go someplace else? Do we live in an apartment somewhere? Sonia says she and her husband worked hard to plan for old age financially, getting rid of debt before they retired. She says that's made it easier for them to live on their fixed incomes, even with Vermont's taxes. So, you know, you get conservative. I think that you cut back on your needs. I look in my closet and I say, I don't really need anything new except for maybe a pair of boots. And that's kind of the way it goes. I think you dial down your wants. But hearing friends talk of moving to retirement communities or downsizing has made the couple uneasy. And I thought, really, wait a second, I need to step back and think about this. Sonia tells me about an aunt and uncle of hers who lived in central Massachusetts where she grew up. She's been thinking about them a lot. They lived in the same house that they built from the day they got married until literally just about the day they died. It was completely paid for. They knew where everything was. It was there, set up the way they wanted. And everybody says, oh, gosh, it's too bad. You know, he fell on the stairs and then he died. Yeah, well, he fell on the stairs. He was like, you know, 92. And he died in the hospital three days later. Is that aging in place? Yeah, I think it is. Dying in your home at 92? Actually... That doesn't sound too bad to me either. But falling down your stairs is a preventable accident. It's why Ruby Baker and other advocates for seniors say it's important to be proactive and not wait until you or your partner has a stroke, gets sick, can't drive, or, yeah, falls down the stairs. There will be people listening to this podcast wondering, when should I start to think about all of this? Yesterday. Coming up, tips from experts on how to start thinking about all of this. Welcome back to Brave Little State. I'm Josh Crane. Today, we're talking about the challenges older Vermonters face as they try to age in place in their homes on a fixed income. My colleague, Nina Keck, picks it up from here. Nina? Every expert I spoke to, from those who run senior centers and area agencies on aging, to folks at AARP, said that if you want to age in place, create a plan. There's a ton of information online about this. You can find some of it on the Brave Little State website. I'll hit the high points. There are basically three main parts of any good plan to age in place. Your house, your documents, and your finances. For starters, let's talk about your house. If you've got steps leading up to your front door, and just about every house in Vermont does, consider replacing them with a ramp. Inside your house, make sure any stairways or dark hallways are well lit, especially your path to the bathroom. Nightlights can help with this, and they're cheap. Also, consider replacing doorknobs with lever handles. They're much easier to use. Microwave ovens are better on a countertop than over the stove. And area rugs and dog toys on the floor? Yeah, watch out. They're trip hazards. Then there's your bathroom. This room is super important because the floor can get wet and falls there are common. Think about replacing your bathtub with a shower stall. 
Make sure you have plenty of grab bars and that your bathroom is big enough to accommodate a wheelchair or walker. These types of changes can be really expensive, but they can also be a godsend. When my mom had double knee replacement surgery a couple of years ago and stayed with me, having a bathroom large enough for her walker was key. Of course, many of these changes are reliant on finding a contractor to actually do the work, which right now is tough. So again, planning ahead is wise. Now, let's talk about the kinds of documents you should have on hand. And no matter where you end up living, at home or in a nursing home, these documents are important. Everyone should have a will. Next, you should have a power of attorney for health care and a separate one for finances. These are people who can make health care and financial decisions on your behalf if you can't. You should also have an advanced directive a signed statement you share with your doctor and caregivers regarding how you want to be treated medically should you be unable to communicate your wishes. And you may be thinking, oh, I've got those. But are you sure? I did my will back when my kids were first born, and they're in their 20s now. So one thing I learned working on this episode is it's important to go back and review these documents every five years because, well, things change and talk them over with your family so you're all on the same page. And I'm going to throw in a personal story here. My husband is a primary care physician, and about 15 years ago, when we were on a family reunion-type vacation with my parents and his parents and all of our siblings, my husband pulled out blank advanced directive forms that we all filled out together over beers. It was a little strange, but it actually worked out great because we were all in a good mood, we were all relaxed, and we had the time we needed to talk over what we all wanted or what we didn't want, as well as what we were afraid of. So by the end of the vacation, we were all on the same page and had the signed documents to prove it. And three years later, when my dad had a fatal stroke, it made a difference. So plan, talk, review. So now that your bathroom is nice and large and all of your documents are in place, now that the dog toys are picked up and you figured out a post-retirement budget, the next step is to understand how much you might have to spend for help when you need it. If you break your hip, for instance, how much will it cost to hire a housekeeper or a home health care aide? I found a cool online calculator that can help with this, so I figured I'd show it to my producer, Josh. Hi, Josh. Hello, Nina. Welcome back. Thank you. So I want you to try to uh, Google this nifty calculator. And to do that, go to AARP, Long-Term Care Cost Calculator. And it's a mouthful. I have to say, Nina, this is my first foray into the AARP website. (laughs) Welcome into the dark side, Josh. (laughs) It's coming. (sighs) Okay, so if you see down below your zip code, that kind of helps this calculator figure out cost ratios in your area. It's going to ask you about things like how many hours a week you might need a homemaker or a personal care service provider, somebody to come in maybe and make you a meal or clean maybe do yard work. So uh, punch in a number there. 
Take a guess. All right. So I'll go pretty conservative here. I'll say eight hours a week, a little more than an hour a day. Perfect. Now, right underneath that is another sliding scale. And you can kind of slide that for how many hours you might need a home health aide. Um, So a home health aide might be somebody that comes in, say you've broken a hip and you need help getting into the shower or getting dressed, that kind of thing. All right. I think I'll go conservative on that, too, and, and just match it up eight hours a week. And then the final sliding scale on that page plugs in hours each week that you might need adult daycare. And that's something that I've heard couples talk about where the wife might be caring for a husband who's got dementia. And so twice a week, that husband might spend some time in adult daycare to give the wife a break. All right. I'll go two days a week. So at the bottom, you should have a monthly cost for all of the hours you just plugged in. What do you have? Jeez, yeah. So I'm seeing $3,180 per month. Wow. That is quite a hefty sum. A big caveat when we talk about growing old in our homes is the fact that the people who do this type of work are in very short supply. Everyone in Vermont who works with the elderly that I spoke to called the shortage of home health care workers a crisis. And in fact, some people can't age in place because when they need help in their home to bathe or get dressed or have somebody cook a meal, there's no one available to do that. And yet the cost of residential care, Josh, which is if you scroll down this calculator, you'll see at the bottom, they cite how much it costs to stay, for instance, in a nursing home or assisted living. It's crazy. Yeah, these costs are even scarier. It's telling me over $5,000 a month for assisted living and over $10,000 a month to live in a private nursing home. But what about other options? SASH, which stands for Support and Services at Home, is currently helping about 5,000 Vermonters age in place. It's a program that links health care and other services, mostly to affordable housing complexes. One of the things I tell our SASH coordinators is, and it's initially it was very hard for them to hear. Kevin Loso is CEO of the Rutland Housing Authority, which oversees SASH in Rutland County. You know, if someone passes away in one of our apartments, for example, of natural causes, that's a success. It means that we've managed to keep them in their home where they wanted to be right up until the end. He says case managers work one-on-one with Vermonters on Medicare to help them stay in their homes safely. And they do this by monitoring chronic diseases like diabetes and high blood pressure and helping with transitions between hospital visits. And um, we provide that little extra support that makes a difference between staying in their home or going to some higher level of care. SASH originated in Vermont, and it's been so successful, other states have copied it. Another option for aging in place? Consider a roommate. If you have a larger house and aren't ready to downsize, renting out a spare bedroom to a younger person looking for housing can make all the difference. An organization called HomeShare Vermont has been helping facilitate these types of arrangements for decades in northeastern and central Vermont. The concept is pretty straightforward. 
A person offers a private bedroom and shared common space in exchange for rent, help around the house, or a combination of the two. It not only helps people financially or helps people be able to stay in their home where they want to be, you know, it has all sorts of other benefits. HomeShare Vermont's Kirby Dunn says 92 Vermonters are doing this right now through their program, and the average age of participants is 72. If you could find a compatible housemate to live with you, you know, our, all our data, we do data all the time, and, you know, people are happier, they feel safer, they're sleeping better, they're eating better, just by having someone live with them. If you don't like the idea of a stranger moving in, there are lots of groups in Vermont that can help you find people who'll just come over occasionally to help you shop or get to a doctor's appointment. And I'm just gonna, we're gonna come through her back, her back door. It's a little easier. Susie Eisinger heads up a nonprofit in Manchester that does this called Neighbor to Neighbor. It's a volunteer-based organization that provides non-medical help to older Vermonters and those with disabilities. Eisinger drove me to meet a client they'd recently begun working with. Okay. Here we are. Awesome. A neat sidewalk leads up to a small two-story home. I notice it's got the same kind of wind chimes I do. Nice. Joanne. Thank you. It's drizzling. It's starting to get kind of yucky out there. Hi, Joanne. How are you? This is Nina. Joanne Van Dusen answers the door. She's petite with short brown hair and cheery red lipstick. She's wearing a down vest and floral scarf, and she walks us through her kitchen. Where would you like to sit, Nina? Where would you be most comfortable? This is terrific with the carpeting in here. Oh, good. And the low ceiling. It's I know. It's acoustically perfect. Oh, good. good. Joanne's living room is cozy with area rugs and a beam ceiling. The house was built in 1912, and there's a fireplace, plenty of windows, and a three-season porch off the front door. I love it when the weather is nice and you can sit out there. It gets the afternoon sun. And there's something, it's before the gloaming, and warm enough and sunny enough that it just gives you good feelings. Joanne lives here alone, and she'll be 78 next month. She's kind of a perfect example of when the rubber meets the road when it comes to aging in place, because while she's always been able to handle things, recent health problems have really thrown her for a loop. I have asked my friends to help me for 10 months, and I thought, I can't ask once more. It's hard to ask for help. You don't want to, after you have taken care of yourself for years and years, to suddenly not be able to drive, not be able to get a meal, not be able to easily walk upstairs. It's devastating. A friend told her about neighbor to neighbor, and she admits it took her a while to call. I was a little nervous, and I thought, what if I don't qualify? I don't know what the rules are. And I thought, maybe I'm asking too much because I have a lot of appointments coming up. But it's worked out well. And Susie Eisinger says Joanne is now one of about 70 clients in the program. We provide transportation to shopping, errands, medical appointments, And it's not just in the area. I mean, you may have somebody that lives in Dorset or Arlington, and they need to get down to a doctor's appointment in Albany. Neighbor-to-neighbor services are free, 
provided by volunteers in the Manchester area and paid for with a combination of grants, local funding, private donations, and help from faith-based groups. This kind of free help can play a big role in helping older Vermonters stay in their homes as long as possible. And one expert I spoke to said there are about 150 of these types of organizations across the state. To find that kind of help near you, call Vermont's Senior Helpline. It'll route your call to one of the state's five area agencies on aging. The Senior Helpline number is 800-642-5119. Or you can reach out to one of the 42 senior centers that operate in Vermont. If you don't know if your community has a senior center, call your town clerk or dial 211, Vermont's information line. Okay, here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, For 82-year-old Ada Pizzetti, attending her local senior center in Rutland has helped her age in place while she's cared for her husband. I not only do yoga here on Fridays, I also do the bone building class here on Mondays and Wednesdays. Two, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And that has really been a godsend and has kept me limber and strong And I just am a great believer in the longer that someone keeps moving, the better off they are health-wise, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Give yourselves a hand. You did a great job today. Yay! Working on that turkey. Thank you. Senior centers like this across Vermont are helping older Vermonters stay stronger with low-cost exercise classes. And daily luncheons provide a place for seniors to connect, socialize, and get a balanced meal. 30 miles east of Rutland in Woodstock, Deanna Jones directs the Thompson Senior Center. She also heads the Vermont Association of Senior Centers and Meal Providers. It struck me this week I had an advisory meeting of our participants at the center and, and one of the couples commented that they've they've planned their days around being here for lunch because it is their main meal of the day and dinner might be crackers and apples and cheese, but they're really not grocery shopping in a significant way like they were before they came here. Their senior center serves lunch Monday through Friday with a suggested donation of $5. Joan says people pay whatever they can. The center serves even more seniors delivering Meals on Wheels. We've seen significant increases, and I I just pulled numbers from 10 years ago in 2012, and we delivered about 5,800 Meals on Wheels. And in 2022, we've already served almost that many meals, and if I project that for a full year, it's over 14,000 meals. I mean, that's phenomenal, (laughs) really significant growth. So, and that's just our little region of Woodstock, Pomfret, Barnard, and Bridgewater. It's ironic that everything that makes aging in Vermont more difficult, the dirt roads, cold weather, and remote rural communities, may also be part of the answer to this episode's core question. Because in Vermont, neighbors are used to looking after neighbors. And hundreds, if not thousands of people, volunteer every day to help their older neighbors with rides, meals, and staying connected. 
But it seems like kind of a patchwork solution, especially considering how quickly Vermont's population is aging. It makes me think of something Anne Jurassic of Wallingford told me last year when I ran into her at Rutland Senior Center, a kind of warning about what we may all be up against. I'm right in the middle of the baby boomers at 65 years old, and society better get ready to take care of us because we're coming in droves. Every, every place in the U.S. is going to be overloaded with people that can't do for themselves and that they need help from society, not on a once or twice a week basis, but all the time. We're coming. We're coming. We boomers. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you have a question you want us to tackle in an upcoming episode, ask it at bravelittlestate.org. That's also where you can find photos from Nina's reporting and lots of additional resources about aging in place. If you have story tips for Nina as she continues covering aging in Vermont, you can leave her a voicemail at 802-552-8899 or send her a letter addressed to P.O. Box 321, Pittsford, Vermont, 05763. Nina Keck reported this episode, and I did the mix and sound design. Additional production and editing from the Brave Little State team, that's Angela Evansy, Myra Flynn, and me, Josh Crane. Ty Gibbons composed our theme music, other music by Blue Dot Sessions. Brave Little State is a production of Vermont Public Radio. We have support from VPR sustaining members. You can become one of those at bravelittlestate.org slash donate, or just tell your friends about the show. I'm Josh Crane. We'll be back soon with more people-powered Vermont storytelling.